about. Look at John chapter uh, 13 and starting at verse number 4. We'll read down to verse number 17. He riseth from supper, this is Jesus, and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin, it's a bowl, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save except to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, clean everywhere. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew that uh, who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. He knew Judas would betray him. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye not? Do you know what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. It's an amazing story. Amazing, amazing story. One of the coolest stories uh, that Jesus, uh, that, that's in the, in the gospel. So we reach the next level by connecting what we learn to how we live. This is what we've been talking about. We reach the next level when we connect what we learn to how we live. Because the truth is, if you're a believer, you're a Christian, you're a new believer, you're an old believer, you've been around the block for a little bit, uh, we learn lots of stuff. If you're a believer, you learn lots of things. You come to church, you get tons of knowledge. You read your Bible, you get tons of knowledge. So how do we connect what we learn, all the things we learn, because we learn a lot of different things, how do we connect everything that we learn to how we live? Because that's really how we grow as believers. It's not enough just to learn stuff. You have to do things with that stuff. You have to put all that stuff into action. So you have to connect what you learn to how you live. And when you connect what you learn to how you live, that's when you're able to reach the next level as believers. And that's what, that's what we've been talking about these past couple weeks. Last week we saw that we reach the next uh, level when we uh, have Christian community. That helps us reach the next level. Uh, the first week we talked about salvation. Obviously that's the very first step that anyone has to take in order to uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be talking about serving others because we reach the next level as believers, as Christians, when we serve other people. And this is something we would all agree on. Nobody, no, none of you guys are sitting here this morning thinking to yourself, I don't know how much I agree with that. Because we all think serving other people is a good thing. No one here thinks it's a bad thing. No one here says, Pastor, I don't think serving other people is a good idea. That, that, I don't know who, who ever told you that. Everyone thinks that serving others is a good idea. So the question is, how do we connect what we know about serving to actually living out service? See that? How do we connect the two? We know we ought to serve. We know serving is a good thing. Regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, you think serving others is a good thing. How do we connect that knowledge to everyday life? How do we connect that, what we know about serving, to living out service? How does a follower of Jesus serve others? Now, before you say to yourself, 
Pastor Dominic, serving others as a believer, that, that seems like it's too hard. It, I'm not qualified. It costs too much. It takes too long. How, as, a, as a Christian, as a believer, serving other people, that sounds really intimidating. Before you say all that, remember that most of you guys have had kids. If there's anything in this life that is too hard, that takes too long, that you aren't equipped for, it is having kids. How many of you guys understand that? When we go into having kids, and I haven't even had kids yet, uh, yet. we haven't even had kids yet, and I understand this truth. When you go into having kids, that is, it takes way too long, it costs way too much, you are never qualified for, I never met a parent that said, yeah, I was pretty, I was cut out for this job, you know, I was equipped for this the day from day one. Nobody, so, so we go into this, one of the most difficult things to do in life is for two humans to have a child and to raise that child. You're serving for 18 years minimum. You're serving this little, at first, alien-looking thing. You're serving it hand and foot, 24-7. You're changing diapers. You're cleaning messes. You're, uh, you're, you have clothes to buy. You have meals to prep. You have a thousand other things, and you're doing all of that, all while you're living off of little to no sleep. So I say all that to say, if you are qualified for anything, you are qualified to serve people. You already know how to serve because if you've had kids, you're in a constant state of serving others and getting paid nothing for it. In fact, you have to pay in order to serve this little thing. So we understand service. So if you think I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I don't know if I'm really cut out for serving as a Christian. I don't know if I'm really qualified. You are, okay? You are qualified. So the question is, how do we serve as believers? What is important about serving as Christians? Why is this important? And if there's anything you are qualified for, how, how do we serve other people as believers? Let's look at this, because this, this passage tells us, verse number 14 and 15. If I then, your Lord and Master, Jesus says, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Why is it important for believers to serve others? Jesus shows us in this story. So Jesus, he's coming to the last days of his life on earth. He's about to uh, be betrayed by Judas, and he's going to be sent to the cross. He's going to be going up for a mock trial, and they're going to crucify him. He's going to go through a whole process. He's going to be beaten, mocked, have a mock trial, and they're going to eventually crucify Jesus. Before he goes through all of that, the same evening he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's betrayed by Judas. Before that happens, he has this last dinner with his disciples, with his 12 disciples. He has this last supper. Uh, as it's called, with his disciples. And at this Last Supper, he has, the, he has the, uh, everything they're eating, he has the food, the drink, and they're having conversation. About the time that everyone's finishing up eating, Jesus does something that is probably one of the most dramatic illustrations in, in all of the Bible, and at least in Jesus' life. This is a very dramatic object lesson that he, he teaches his disciples. After they're done eating at this Last Supper, Jesus, he moves himself from the table while all the disciples are still there. And he takes, he takes, uh, he takes some stuff. He takes, uh, he takes a basin of water. I have this up here with me this morning, just so you guys can, just so you guys can see it. He has a basin of water, and, and he has a towel with him. He girds himself. And just so you know, when, what Jesus is about to do, what he's about to do, the household servant was the one who's supposed to do it. 
It's not like any Joe Schmo or the, the owner of the house or the host would wash people's feet what Jesus is about to do. A servant, a hired servant would do what Jesus is about to do. So he gets this basin of water and he, let's see if I can balance it. He takes this basin of water and he takes this towel. He girds himself, the Bible says. He takes the towels and he, he gets down on his knees. He gets down on his knees and he has the disciples come to him, all line up, come to him like the seven dwarfs. <laughs> he has all the disciples come to him, line up, and, and he gets down on his knees. The guy who calls himself God, right? He gets down on his knees and he takes the feet of these disciples. Now, feet are just not nice things to begin with. Right? Feet, are, feet are nasty. But feet of guys who are wearing sandals all day in the desert, not paved roads, but dusty, dirty roads with donkeys and all sorts of animals driving around. They're stepping in all of that. You use your imagination. They're stepping in all of that good stuff. And they come to Jesus, and Jesus says, let me wash your feet. The guy who calls himself God is taking the place of a servant, a hired servant, and he's saying, let me wash all y'all's feet. Twelve dudes, some of them fishermen. Nasty stuff. He takes them, and, and, and I've seen some of you guys have sandals on. Some of you guys have open-toed uh, shoes on. I was going to have some of you guys come up, but I won't, uh, just because you're saving me the, the, the trouble of having to wash your guys' feet. So he gets, he gets down, and he starts, to wash, he starts to wash the disciples' feet. And after he gets done with all of that, he gets up, and he sits down back to where he was. And you can imagine the disciples are like, what just happened? What is going on here? And Jesus asks them a question. He says, do you know what I have just done? And all of them are like, probably, I have, we have no clue what you just did. You just washed our feet. Why would you do that, Jesus? And Jesus says, if you call me Lord and Master, if you call me God, this big word, if you call me God, and you say, well, and you're, you're, telling, you're, you're calling me God, you're exactly right, because I am God. If you call me God, and I am getting down on my knees and serving you, Shouldn't you also serve others? If the God of the universe gets down literally on his knees and serves other people, shouldn't you as my disciples serve other people as well? You see, this is one of the most dramatic lessons Jesus would teach in his life. He, Jesus, he, in one crystal clear illustration, Jesus shows us the most important reason we serve other people. The most important reason we serve other people. I'm sure we can all think of a lot of good reasons why we should serve people. Jesus gives us a crystal clear illustration and reason why we should serve other people. Here it is. It's because Jesus served us. That's the whole reason he tells the disciples to serve. Jesus said, I want you to serve, not because it's the right thing to do, although it is, not because you're going to get something from it, although you may, but because I served you. I want you to serve because I serve. We serve because Jesus serves. Jesus asked them, do you know why I did what I did? Because I want to serve you. That is what Jesus is telling us this morning. We serve others because Jesus served us. He is our starting point when it comes to serving other people. We don't serve some 
some ulterior motive, at least initially or primarily, our primary reason we ought to and should want to serve other people is because Jesus has served us. He is the reason we serve and ought to serve others. This one truth, this one perspective change makes serving others so much easier because it makes them, watch this, no longer about the person I'm serving and makes it about, the per, about Jesus Christ. You see, people can let us down. They can do all sorts of stuff to us. But when I am not serving because of that person, when I'm serving someone because of Jesus, it makes it a whole lot easier to serve that person. It means I am not serving someone because of what they can do for me. I am serving because of what Jesus has already done for me. You see, it means I can serve in spite of what others have done to me because of what Jesus did for me. When Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, he knew Judas. He's washing Judas' feet. The guy that's going to betray him. Give him a kiss on the cheek and then betray him. He he was washing Judas' feet. He knew what Judas was going to do. Peter comes around. He washes Peter's feet. He knew Peter was going to deny him three times in the space of one evening. When Thomas comes through, he knew that Thomas, doubting Thomas, would doubt that Jesus was even alive when he resurrected from the dead. Yet he serves all of them anyway. Why? Because his service didn't depend on who they were or if they earned it. It depended on who he was and he would earn it for them. You see, this is freeing because it doesn't place a cap on who I can serve. It doesn't limit who I can serve. I can serve anybody. You see, typically we serve others, whether that's a family member, a spouse, a child, another believer, someone at work. We serve other people depending on how they served me, right? This is how human, human, this is human nature. And quite frankly, it's understandable. You want to serve somebody if someone serves you. You're not going to do something for somebody if they're not going to do something for you. It makes sense to help people who've helped us. You're going to be rude. You're, you, when you, 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 your husband gets home, oh, oh, you're going to be rude? How about I not make you dinner tonight? See, that's, that's human nature. You're, gonna, you're not going to cover my shift at work when I need you to? Well, then I'm not going to cover your shift when you need help. Oh, you did this to me? Okay, well, I'm going to just sit here on the couch and watch Netflix all night. I'm not going to help around, around the house. See, that's human nature. You haven't served me. I'm not going to serve you. That's understandable. That's how, that's how humans work. So Jesus is saying that when we serve, focused on what he has done for us, we are given the divine ability to serve others even when they don't deserve it. When we serve others because Jesus served us, we are able to serve anybody. It, It frees us. It doesn't place a cap on who we can serve. When we're serving Jesus by serving others, we can serve anybody. You see, Matthew, Mark chapter 10, verse number 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. The whole reason Jesus came was not so that people could serve him, but to be a minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The entire purpose Jesus comes to earth was to serve. That means the towel, the basin, the water weren't just, weren't, these things weren't just props. They weren't, it wasn't just an object lesson. It was an object lesson, but it wasn't just an object lesson where he's trying to teach his disciples to serve. It was also a picture of himself here. He's picturing what he would do for humanity. You see this basin of water, it represents Jesus bearing all the sin and the dirtiness of mankind so that we wouldn't have to bear it ourselves. The cloth, this represented Jesus covering us in his righteousness because we were dirty 
rebellion didn't deserve him. The water represents him washing our sin away with his own blood. You see, this doesn't represent, this isn't just stuff. This represents what Jesus has divinely done for all of us. He has served us with himself. He was the living water that would wash our sin in his righteousness. Did we deserve Jesus? No. Do people always deserve you? No. Jesus served them anyway. And when he is the reason we serve, we can serve anyway also. You see, we serve others because Jesus served us. This is an important point because it changes not just how we live or how we think about serving, but it changes how people see us. Watch this in verse number 15. Look at verse number 15 again. He says, Jesus says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So Jesus tells them that he is the example that he wants them to follow. Pretty clear what Jesus is trying to get across. He's saying, I'm the example. I want you to follow my example. I want you to serve other people as I have served you. This was a big statement, not just because serving others uh, like Jesus did would change how they lived. Watch this. But serving others as Jesus served would change how the world saw them. You see, you have this, this group of disciples 12 disciples, and it would be more scores, hundreds of people after Jesus left. You have all these people who change, not just change how they live when it comes to serving, but people, when the world, when they saw the change in these people, you see, the world would see that change. Jesus is saying, I want you to be an example of what I have done for you because the world will look at you differently. The more the disciples lived as Jesus lived and served as Jesus served, the more they would look as Jesus looked. The world would look at them and see a striking resemblance between them and Jesus by the way they served. When we serve others like Jesus, we become a walking, talking, serving miniature of Jesus. A little Christ, what you'd call a Christian by serving Others. And this is an awesome privilege because when, when we people see the way you serve, when people see the way you serve, they'll also see Jesus. You see, when I'm, when I'm mimicking, when I'm a miniature of Jesus, when I'm serving others like Jesus served, people will look at me and they'll look at us and they'll say, this person resembles what I think Jesus would do. This person resembles the life I think Jesus would live if he was living right now on earth. They see us and they don't see us who we used to be. They see Jesus in us, serving at our church, in our community, at our house, in our workplace, allows us to show Jesus to the world, not just through what we say, but how we live. You can, you can look this up online. Uh, there's lots of stories about uh, people who wanted to be donors. And they mark it on their little card, uh, their ID, that they wanted to be uh, organ donors. And so a person, an individual, might get in, get in a tragic accident, and uh, they, they had on their ID that they were an organ donor. And so they might donate their heart, among other organs. But I've read a couple stories where, uh, and this is so cool, uh, where, where an individual would get in an accident, and they would harvest that individual's organs, but they would harvest specifically that person's heart. And that heart they would let the mother of that person or the, the family of that person who died tragically, they would let that person know, hey, we're going to donate your loved one's organs and, and his, his heart. Let's just say it's a son. You're going to donate your son's heart to this other person. And so this person gets a fresh heart because of 
this donation. And so time would pass, as time does, and this person that received this new heart transplant, they would, they would heal and they would, become, they would become healthy again. And so the family of, this, of the son who died in this tragic accident, they would be called up one day by this individual who had been donated this heart from their loved one. They would say, hey, I have your son's heart in me. I want you to come over and I want you to, I want you to hear it, to see what you what your sacrifice, the sacrifice of your son, what it's accomplished. And so that person, maybe the mother, the, the, the stories I've read, it was always the mother. The mother would come over to that person's heart, or that person's house, and they would go up to that son. They would go up to that individual who received the heart, and they would get a stethoscope. And they would, they, the, the mother would put her ears in the stethoscope, and they'd put it up to that man's heart. And they'd hear the heartbeat of her son. And she'd say, yes, that, that tick, 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 that heartbeat, that's my son's heart. And that person would say, thank you so much for what your son has done. I have his heart. You know what Jesus is saying? When we serve as he served, when we love people as he loved people, when we help people as we help people, the world will look at us and they'll be able to hear the heartbeat of God in us. They'll be able to look at us and say, you resemble something that I need in my life. Your eyes are the eyes of Jesus. Your hands, the way they serve, those are the hands of Jesus. Your feet, the way they help people and the way they uh, help others, that's, those are the feet of Jesus. The way you live, the way you talk, the way you are, the actions that you have, that resembles Jesus. And so when we serve as Jesus served, when we serve others, the world can look at us and say, that person resembles Jesus. I want to know what that person has that I do not have. The world sees our Savior through our service. The world sees our Savior through our service. Why is this a big deal? Because most people's objection, many people's objection to Christianity isn't Christ. It's those who claim to be followers of Christ not living as Christ. So when an individual meets a Christian who serves as Jesus served, it removes the biggest opposition that person might have to receiving the gospel. What does this truth mean? It means that because of the way you serve, you can be the reason someone's heart opens up to receiving Jesus. It means that your life can be the defining factor that changes someone's eternal destination forever. When you serve as Jesus served, you are bearing hope to this world. You are a light bearer to your community. You are an agent of transformation in your workplace. And you see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus says, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let people see your good works. Let people see your service. Let people see you serving other people so that they can glorify God through that service. The world sees our Savior through our service. But if that is true, and we are an example to the world, then we are certainly an example to the people who are closest to us. I mean, if we're an example to anybody, we're an example to the people who are closest to us. This means that you aren't just someone the world looks at. It means that your family, your spouse, your friends, other believers are looking at you and to you as well. So we are an example to the people in our life. How we serve others is going is to be seen by other people, the people we love, the people that we're trying to influence. They're going to see how we serve, and they're going to say, okay, does that person resemble Jesus or not? And the, by, by the way we serve, we can create a culture of service. We can model service for the people in our life so that our children see us serving, and it's a model for how they should serve others. 
I don't know if you guys ever read anything about Chick-fil-A. How many of you guys are Chick-fil-A fans in here? Okay, a couple of you guys are Chick-fil-A fans. I love Chick-fil-A. Uh, there's something about it. I don't know if they put crack in their chicken, but there's something about Chick-fil-A. It's just amazing. The only thing bad about Chick-fil-A is they're not open on Sundays. We've actually, me and my wife, have gone to Chick-fil-A on Sundays, forgetting that they're closed on Sundays and wondering, where is everybody? <laughs> oh, they're closed on Sundays. Anyway, I was reading the story about uh, Truett Cathy. I think he's, that's the name of the, the guy who, uh, who started Chick-fil-A. And um, I was reading about how, you know how you go to a, a Chick-fil-A and uh, you, you say, well, thank you for, for, uh, thank you for the food. They say, my pleasure, right? They always say, my pleasure. Everything you do, my pleasure, right? I even find myself going about my daily life saying, my pleasure. I'm like, wait, what? That wasn't my pleasure. But they say, my pleasure so much. And the way it started was, you would think that uh, it was like a rule, something in a handbook, right? We say, my pleasure. We don't say, thank you, like McDonald's. We don't say, have it your way. We say, my pleasure, right? You would think that that's what they do in a rule book for all their new employees. That's not what they do. So a long time ago, Truett Cathy, when he was starting the business, he wanted to have this culture of service in his restaurant chain. And so what he would do is he would go around his restaurants and say, my pleasure, when he was serving customers. And he said it so much that the, the, the managers would start to say it as well because they see the guy, the owner of the restaurant, saying my pleasure to customers. The managerial staff, they would pick that up. And eventually, the managerial staff, they would say my pleasure so much that the regular employees would say, my pleasure. And when True Cathy would go to another store, he would start that whole process over again. And so you have this culture where people say, my pleasure when they serve others. It's not when you go to a Burger King or some other place and they look at you and they're not happy that you're there. These people, they're happy you're there. My pleasure to serve you. This was started by one man just saying it while he was serving other people. What if, we could say, what if others could say that about our life? That person serves so much, it's just contagious in my family. The way, he, the way my husband serves, it's infectious to my kids. The way he serves at church, it's just everyone around him is improved. Everyone serves like Jesus because that person serves. You see, when we serve others at our church, our service is teaching and leading other believers to do the same. When you serve your wife, you are teaching your kids to serve as you are serving and to serve their future spouse as you are currently serving your spouse. When you serve unconditionally, you are uh, communicating to the people in your life also to serve unconditionally. You see, we can be a living, breathing example of service and create that culture to the people around us. This is a 1 Peter chapter 4. As every man hath received the gift. We all have a gift to serve other people. As we all have received the gift, even so minister, give that gift, share that gift, serve that gift, the same one to another as good stewards, as good managers of the manifold grace of God. So we are an example to the, those closest to us. So the question is, are you someone who's modeling service at your home? In your house, are you modeling service to your spouse? Are you modeling service to your wife? Are you modeling service to your husband? Are you modeling service to your children? Are you modeling service at your church? How are you modeling Jesus' service to your church and home? How, is there a place that you have that you can serve? Is there a place in, the church, in your church where you're serving? Is there a place in your home where you're, you're, the, you're the biggest servant? Serving others changes how we live, and it changes how others see us. But it does something else. Look at verse number 16. This is cool. 
Verse number 16 and 17. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus is speaking here, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that is that sent him. That's verse number 16. I wish we had enough time to talk about that. But that's an amazing verse. If you have time to look in verse number 16, it's saying here, uh, serving others doesn't just change other people. It doesn't just change how the world sees you. It changes how you see yourself. When you serve other people, you see yourself differently. So, and then it continues, verse number 17. We don't have time to talk about that. In verse number 17, if you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. So after Jesus told his disciples to follow his example, he also said something that at first doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. He said, if you follow his example, you'll be happier because of it. Jesus essentially saying here that when you serve others, that service is not just affecting other people, it is effecting you. So that's not how people think of happiness, right? This, this is not how people think of happiness. That, that's not where people look for happiness. We don't look for happiness in serving other people. It's not like Jesus gets down. No, we didn't, none of you guys, I guarantee none of you guys, when you read this passage, you heard it being read, you guys, you guys read about Jesus getting down on his knees, serving other, all the other disciples with their smelly, dirty, nasty feet. You didn't think to yourself, that right there is the secret to happiness. None of us thought that, right? I didn't think that when I read that. None of, until you get to that verse, you say, Jesus is saying, happy are ye if you're like that? That doesn't make sense because we don't think of happiness like that. Everyone is searching for happiness. Yes, we're all searching. We're all looking for happiness. It's what we all want. Most people figure out how to find doses of happiness in life. Doses of happiness come in the form of a new car, right? We get a dose of happiness, nice little shot of happiness. You like the smell. You get the new car. It's great. Smells like new car. It runs nice. You don't have to worry about not turning on in the morning. It's nice. It's great. It gives us a little dose, a little shot of happiness until the new car wears off. You have to get the first oil change or whatever. You get a new house. It's a dose of happiness. A latest phone. You get the newest iPhone. Dose of happiness. You get a little shot of happiness. You get a pay raise. A little, little shot of happiness until you spend the pay raise, right? You, get, you, you move somewhere. You get a vacation. Nice little dose of happiness. You see, that's how we think of happiness. And all of those things, those things are great, right? Those things are fine. But those things can only give us temporary shots of happiness, like a five-hour energy drink. You drink it, a couple hours later, you crash. It's it, right? It's great for a little bit, then it wears off. Most people live their life looking for the next shot of happiness, which is why happiness is always so temporary, which is why happiness is always so elusive. It's so, it's so fleeting, it, it, because it's like sand slipping through, running through your fingers. It's there and then it's not. It's always so temporary. Why is that? Because happiness that is born out of selfishness is always a lesser kind of happiness. Happiness that's born out of selfishness is always a lesser kind of happiness, a shallow happiness. A, a shallow happiness in the way that it's, it's not deep. It dries up quickly. Jesus, the happiness Jesus offers in verse number 17 is not that kind of happiness. Jesus said that if you want deep, lasting happiness, find someone to serve. The happiness you receive from serving others is not a temporary happiness. It's a happiness that's enduring. It's lasting. It's fixed happiness. This is paradoxical. See, this doesn't make sense, but it's true. If you want fleeting happiness, serve yourself. If you want fixed happiness, serve others. 
You see, look at this. Why is it a big deal to Jesus for Jesus to wash the disciples' feet? Why is this a big deal? Because nobody who reads the story of Jesus getting on his knees, serving others, thinks to themselves, this is, this is the secret to happiness. The truth is, is that Jesus is teaching us that happiness is not found in self, it's found in service. That's what Jesus is teaching us. You see Mark chapter 8, verse number 35, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. He's given us a paradoxical truth. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. When you're searching for happiness, you find a lesser kind of happiness. When you're serving others, you find a fixed happiness. It doesn't make sense, but it's true. The road to happiness is driven in reverse. If we want true happiness, we'll serve others. If we want shallow happiness, we'll seek happiness. You know how at the beginning of this message, a couple minutes ago, I told you guys about, about raising kids, right? Say it takes too long. Cost too much, it's too hard, nobody's qualified. You're helping this little alien looking individual out. They're always crying, they're always using the restroom, you're doing everything for this. It's just a lot of work. You would think it would make you miserable, right? And sometimes, maybe as a parent, initially you're miserable. You're like, man, I can't believe I'm doing it. I'm never getting sleep. I'm, all my hair's getting pulled out. I can't. And initially you think, man, but, 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 but. If I was to say, okay, right now, I would let you off the hook with your kid. You can just get rid of your kid. I guarantee nobody would say, why? Because what causes you to serve the most in your life also brings you the most happiness. Isn't it true? That child is the hardest you're going to work probably in your entire life. But that child is also going to be the greatest source of joy in your entire life. That's the paradox of happiness Jesus is teaching us. When we reach, we reach the next level. This is the paradox of Christianity. The way to move up is to move down. The way we help ourselves is by helping others. The way we reach the next level is by stepping down a level. If you want happiness, serve others. If you want to reach the next level in your Christian life, step down a level and serve others. Let me pray for you.